the only thing you can do about forgiveness is accept it. Okay, let me explain that, because you might say, but Bertie, you know, I thought there's certain things that I can do to be forgiven, like to stop my sin or to stop this or to stop that. Jesus Christ, <clears throat> when He came, the Bible says He was the Lamb of God that took away the sin of the whole world. Okay? When He took away the sin of the whole world, was the sin taken away? Yes. When was the punishment for sin? 2,000 years ago. Okay? Now the word forgive is a Greek, Greek word to separate or to divorce. So what happened was, Adam had a contract with God, a, a, a marriage contract where he said that, I'll be, or with the law, I will be like God on the basis of my works. And he was married to that law. And then he got divorced. In Christ. Amen. He got separated from the law so that the law, so that he would not be intimate with the law anymore and that the law could not bear fruit in his life anymore. Okay? So Jesus Christ came and he ended that. That is the word forgive in the Greek. We always thought forgive is, well, I decide not to be angry with you anymore, but never do it again. No, no, no. That's the, that is the human way of trying to understand forgiveness. True forgiveness means to be separated from. So when Jesus Christ came, He separated mankind from sin. <clears throat> now, you will still find many people live in sin, and many people feel guilty. Now, the Bible states in 1 John that if we walk in the light as He is in the light, in other words, if we have the revelation of God's rest as Jesus has it, then the blood of Christ will wash me from all my sin. Now you might say, Bertha, you've just said that our sins has been washed away. Now you want to say, you know, that if I walk in the light, then the blood of Jesus will wash me from sin. Now, if you take that and connect that to Hebrews 10, you will see that Hebrews 10 says that when a lamb came and the lamb was slain, then that washed people from their sin. But the, but the blood of lambs could not wash you that you will never ever again have any consciousness of sin. So what happened? I'm guilty, then I bring a lamb, when the lamb was slain, then I'm not conscious of my sin anymore. So what does the lamb actually do to the man? It gives him a new consciousness. So, the lamb was slain long ago, but when I preach to you about the blood of Jesus that flowed from me for you, that revelation of blood washes your mind from sin. In other words, it changes your consciousness. You're not conscious of sin anymore. You're not conscious of it, so the blood of Jesus washes your mind. Your sin has been washed away, but it cleanses your mind from, it washes sin out of your mind as a place where you relate to God. I hope you understand that. Every person, you know, out there that has not received Jesus, or a lot, a lot of Christians these days, that don't believe exactly what Christ has done and apply it that way, they walk with a sin consciousness. So if I teach the blood of Jesus and what His blood has done, what will that blood do? It will wash you, wash your mind. That's what it says. The worshiper, once purged by the blood, will have no more consciousness of sin. Sin has been washed away, but when we preach about what Christ has done, then your mind gets washed by the blood of Jesus. 
and you're not conscious of sin anymore, but you're conscious of what Christ has done for you, and from there you find a new life coming forth in you, and then you call yourself born of God. Amen. Born of God. There's no other way in which you can be born of God but that way. Now, on Facebook I said this. I said that if, if you, that Jesus Christ took away the sin of the world and that people stand innocent before Him as pertaining to the law of Moses. So, He, he came to bring innocence. And then I said, there's nothing you can do to be forgiven. All you can do is hear the gospel and realize what Christ has done and then receive your forgiveness then you say, well, I am forgiven. Okay. Then I said there, this emotion, once you've received this, this emotion of innocence, of I'm not guilty before God, will give birth to a new life in you. Now you might say, but Bertie, I thought we were born of the Spirit. Yes, we are born of the Spirit. The Spirit of God comes and changes everything inside us. But the emotion... Now, now listen, emotion is a very powerful thing, and we need to know this. In this, you need to feel loved by God. You need to feel peace between you and God. For, forget your job, forget all those things. You know, so many times we, we, we want peace in our job, peace in our marriage, peace between our children, peace in all these things. And, and I can tell you now with Lynette, and, and this is what she said, when her husband passed away, she had to come and realize who she is. And she got peace between her and God. And from there, that peace flowed into a, 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 a work situation, financial situation, you know, her future, her children, everything. But first there was, I'm not worried about the peace here now between me and people. I first want to know there's peace between me and God. And there, that, that emotion experienced there, Listen, man, if I'm standing here and I don't feel peace about something, you will see in the way I talk and the way I move. I mean, that, uh, how can I say, that unrustigheid in me, it will just bring forth and show in my life. It will direct my life. In the very same way, I want to tell you, it is, with exp it, is, it is with the emotion of not being guilty before God. Your whole life, the way you do business, the way you treat people around you, will come forth from knowing peace. This is what the Bible says. The kingdom of God is in righteousness, peace and joy. The kingdom of God, His dominion, the, the way God rules is through you experiencing peace. God does not rule in your life outside of peace in your heart. He does not rule in your life. He, he cannot rule. He cannot govern outside you knowing you are 100% righteous before God. He, he, the way He rules is by the joy of knowing your innocence in Christ. Amen. Hallelujah, man. I, I know these things can, can shake religion. You know, yesterday I had a guy, um, you know, he, he just wrote some stuff about me to the point that I gave him a call. I said, listen, man, what do you write? You can't write these things, you know. And they spoke about the message. You know, it's like, and this is, this is what this, this person said to me. He said to me, Bertie, you know, um, we, when we, without repentance from sins, God can never forgive you. So I said to him, okay, now that's fine. Um, and he used an example of Jimmy Swaggart. He says, Jimmy Swaggart repented from his sin, 
And after he repented, he was caught another three times with the same thing. He says, that kind of repentance cannot bring salvation. He says, you need to repent and leave it for the rest of your life. You can't repent and continue. You must You repent and leave it. Then you'll be saved. Then you'll be forgiven. So I asked him, I said to him, now we, we want to call God in as a witness and we open up the law over your life, my brother. Is there anything that God has said to you five years ago that you shouldn't do that you're still doing now? God, we, 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 we stand before the living God. He said, yes, there is. So I said, now what's the difference between you and Swagger? No difference. The only difference is, is that the thing he does, nobody can see. And nobody knows about. And looks righteous because you've got knowledge of so many scriptures and whatever. But when it comes down to this life, let me tell you something. You can never be innocent on the basis on how you repent from sin. Never. I'm not saying we should not leave our sin. What I'm just saying is, I say, leave your sin, but don't measure your innocence on the basis of how you leave your sin. Otherwise, you will not have, you will not find the rulership of Christ in your life because He rules from the platform of peace. Amen. Right, let's go to Psalm 40. We're talking about God's thoughts for you in this year to come. And it's very important that we line up our thoughts with the thoughts of God. Otherwise, you're going to think wrong, and God's got a certain thought. And if you call Him your Lord, if you call Him the one that serves you, if you call Him the one that directs you, you need to know what He thinks. I mean, how can two walk together lest they are in agreement? So the biggest thing is, if you can find out what does God think, and then you can get your mind to think what God thinks about your life. And if you can think what God thinks about your life, you will know which is the obvious direction, which is the obvious thing, which is the obvious emotion that there is supposed to be. Right. I want to read Psalm 40. Let's read from verse, verse 5. It says, Many, O Lord my God, 40 verse 5, we will, we will get, there's one word in the, in, the, in the Hebrew that I want to show here. It says, Many, O Lord my God, are the wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts which are to usward, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Now listen to this. This is talking about Jesus. This is a prophetic word about Jesus. Psalm 40 speaks about Jesus. Jesus comes and he, he, he looks at God the Father. He says, oh God, you know, he says, many, O oh Lord, are your wonderful works which you have done and your thoughts which are us with. That word thoughts also in Hebrew means uh, uh, plans or uh, to, to, um, okay, plans beforehand. God has got a plan that He works. There's a certain plan by... He says, and, and, and this plan is so awesome to us where they cannot be reckoned up, you cannot number them. Now listen to the plan in the next verse. Sacrifice and offering thou did not desire. My ears hast thou opened. Burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Okay, so here he says, listen to Jesus. Now look, listen, if Jesus 
stands in awe of this. It's something. This is Jesus worshipping the Father because Jesus comes from the perspective of a man. He's a man standing before the Father and from the perspective of a man He says, Oh God, how wonderful are your works towards us. This work is so, so big, it's so awesome. You have opened my ears that I can hear. And this is what I hear. You don't desire sacrifices. You don't desire offerings. So what he's actually saying is, you don't desire payment from people. Okay? Why? So Jesus comes, he knew that he was the one to be sacrificed. Okay? Now he looks in the perspective of all the other people. You don't desire all these people to bring their animals and bring all those things. What you desire is, and this is what he says in Hebrews, that you've prepared a body for me. Wherein I can come in. And the sacrifice for the sins can be in the body of Jesus. But what he was saying there was that God does not desire your sacrifice. We don't have to sacrifice to get God to be blessed with us or to have peace with us. Now, just this, this Hebrew word, man, I'm sorry for the light that is, that is like this. Um, verse 5. Yeah, that is it. Now, I want to just show you the Hebrew characters there. This is very important to understand everything that God has in the Bible is there for a reason and, and to understand. And when we look into what the Holy Spirit has revealed in, these, in the Hebrew characters of the word thoughts, you'll just see how, what God thinks about you. Now, the, the first word, the first letter there is Mem. The next one is Chet. Now, now, we read from right to left. Mem, Chet, Shin, Beth, Tav, or, or T. Okay? The letter T, which is a cross. Now, what does that mean? Now, every one there has got a picture to it. So, this one, um, what this speaks, it speaks of this, it's a picture of, of water, which speaks of the spirit. That is a picture of a head, it's a picture of a snake. Okay? That's the picture of teeth, which also speaks of sharp pressure. And that's a picture of a, of a house in the Hebrew language, the picture that's assigned to it, and that's the picture of a cross. So, what does that mean? It, it, it says, the thoughts of God is, the thoughts of God, the thoughts of God is very simple. It is the spirit of the snake under sharp pressure dwelling on the cross. Okay. You might say, Berti, but what is that? The spirit of the snake under sharp pressure, the punishment for sin, which lives on the cross. That's God's thought. That is the very foundation of God's thought about your life. You might say, but Bertie, why the spirit of the snake? You see, the spirit of, of God couldn't be crucified because how will we live if the spirit of God died? What died was the spirit of the snake. Remember in Numbers 21, let me tell you the story if you're not familiar with it. In Numbers 21, these, uh, the, 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 the people were eating uh, manna that fell from heaven. And that's all they had to eat. And after a while, they became bored with the manna. They said, we want more. They said, we want meat. So they came quails. So they wanted quails. So what, what did God say? And this, is what, this was their word. They said, our souls detests this bread that falls from heaven. Then Jesus said in John 6 that he is the manna from heaven. Okay? So what they were actually saying was, we detest this light food, this easy to pick up, not to work for, 
food. We want flesh. When they said that, the Bible says fiery serpents came and would bite them and they would die. Now, very simple. In the beginning, there was a snake in the Garden of Eden. What did the snake do? The snake came to Adam and Eve and said, Listen, the way you are now is not enough. You need something more. Okay? That was the snake. Then Jesus said, or God said to the snake in the Garden of Eden, I'll bring a, 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 a enmity between your seed and her seed. So there'll be the, the, the seed, the offspring of the snake will be death and it will want to bite the heel of, of, of Jesus. Okay? But he will crush your head. Okay? He will crush the thought pattern or the belief that Satan had, which was you can become by your works. Now, those of you that hasn't heard this teaching on it, you can go on my website. Um, there's a message on the fulfillment of the law where this is explained over ten parts. Right. <clears throat> So here comes the snake. The snake speaks of Satan. Satan says, the bread from heaven is not enough. You need to be in the flesh. Works righteousness. More. What God gives is not enough. You need more. If Jesus says you're righteous, free from your works, that's not enough. If Jesus said my sacrifice has made you holy, you are already holy, that's not enough. Let me tell you something. In Christianity, our point of departure is innocence. That's not what we're heading to. We're not heading to holiness. We're not heading to righteousness. We're not heading to any of these things. That's where we start. That's our point of departure. The first thing you realize, and this is when you become a Christian, is you realize your innocence. You realize your holiness. You realize what He's done for you. You realize your righteousness. And that is from where you start your walk. I am fully righteous from God because the manna came from heaven and I'm eating this manna. And you don't eat it for a week and then you go and eat something else. You, what you eat the first day when you receive Jesus was, oh hallelujah, He forgives my sins. Oh hallelujah, He paid for me. Oh, He was a sacrifice for me. That you eat the first day and that's when you're going to eat until Jesus comes. Amen. Don't eat something else. Now what did they then do? They then went and said, we want food. Other food. Not what comes for free from heaven. We want other food. Quails came. The eight people died. And fiery serpents came. What did the fiery serpents do? They bit them. Then, what did God tell Moses? He said, take a snake. Put it on a cross or on a pole. Okay? And even today, you, you, you get this medical thing with a cross with a snake on it. Speaks about healing. It comes from there. So you get this cross with a snake all around the cross. And then the Bible says, if you can look at the snake. Now in the, in the Hebrew it doesn't just say look at the snake. It means to stare with intensity and look at this snake upon the cross. You shall be healed. Okay. Now it says, Jesus said, the thoughts you have towards us is more than what any man can ever fathom. The thoughts. The, what was God's thought? What's God's thought about every man? Is that the spirit of the snake. Now what is the spirit of the snake? Let me, let me explain that to you. Is, uh, uh, the spirit that we speak here from is the spirit of grace. It's the spirit of God's unconditional love or the attitude. 
Now the spirit of the snake was the attitude of works. The attitude of what God has given to you for free is not enough. You need to work more to get on a higher level with God. Like the one guy said to me, um, I, sp I spoke to him over uh, in, in, the, in the holidays. He's, a, he's also a preacher of a church. He came to me, said to me, Bertie, you know, this grace message, we've preached it in our church now for six months, hallelujah. But we're going to the higher level. We're moving to the apostolic now, hallelujah, preaching the kingdom of God. I'm going to drive to him and just plea with him on behalf of the church for protection. Because he's just going to kill people. That's all that's going to happen. People are going to suffer under that. There's no higher thing than the manna from heaven. That will, give you, that will be food for you. That will give you health. That will give you clothes. That will give you everything you need. It's just in that simple bread. You might say, but this is too simple. This is too easy. You just believe what Christ done for you, you will see God's life from that bread. The thought, he says, oh God, your thoughts. The spirit, what's God's thought? The spirit of the snake was under sharp pressure and it dwelt or being nailed to the cross. That's God's thought about you, my friend. That is God's thought about you. So when God comes towards you, He comes from the mindset of the, 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 the attitude, whatever disqualified you has already been nailed to the cross. That's why many people don't know what God's thinking. They say His ways is higher than ours. We can never understand what He says. Why? Because He does not think on the basis, He doesn't have the spirit of the snake. He's got the spirit of freedom. Amen. And what he's thinking of is that the, the, the spirit under which all of mankind was, which was the spirit of works righteousness, has been under sharp pressure nailed to the cross. Now, if you want, and this is the best thing you can do, is line up your thoughts with the thoughts of God. Amen. And be mindful of works righteousness has been nailed to the cross. That's from where God thinks. That's the platform from where He thinks about you. So that's why we can go to, and, and I wanted to go to, um, to, to, is it now, Jeremiah 29 verses 11. Where He says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Okay? I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts to prosper you, to be good to you. Amen. Is it 29.11 or 11.29? I don't know. Let's... 29.11, right? Just, just check this out. It says, right. It says, for I know, and in the Hebrew word there, 853, which is the Hebrew characters, Aleph Tav, translated in Greek, the first and the last letter of the alphabet, Alpha Omega, okay, which is Jesus. For I know the Alpha and the Omega, which is the thoughts that I think towards you. Jesus is God's thought about your life. What God, when God thinks about 2011 as pertaining to you, the perfection of Christ is what He thinks about you. 
You might say, but you say these things over and over again. Listen, I've got only manna. I don't have anything else. And I don't want to sell anything else here. I don't want to give anything for free. If you come here once a week to eat something, I've only got manna. That's all I have. I'm not putting peanut butter on it with syrup. I'm not even offering pudding. That's all there is. And I tell you now, it's enough to sustain you. This is life. We've, we've, we've got another testimony. Um, a guy said to me, Barty, you know, I listened to your... Uh, I, saw, I went to your website. People said to me, I must go to your website and listen. And I listened to some of the messages, but after a while I got very bored. Because I realized you're just saying the same thing over and over again. But thank God for the Holy Spirit that strengthened me. <laughs> I could continue to listen. He says, and then I realized after listening more, that there is no other message. And I can apply this to every area of my life. Hallelujah. God says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts to prosper you. What is it? I know Jesus, the thought that I have about your life. And this thought that Jesus is what will give you an expected end. Do you want to know what God thinks? He thinks Jesus. He thinks your innocence, he thinks your qualification, he thinks your purity, he thinks how lovely you are, he thinks how beautiful you are, he doesn't think of the 20 things that need to change in your life, he thinks of Jesus. That's his thought. There he says, I know all of that, the thought that I think towards you. Then he says clearly, I'm, the thoughts, Jesus said, when I think of the thoughts, I realized you don't want any sacrifice anymore. Why? Because Jesus could see himself... Being nailed to the cross. Say, so, no, Bertie, but how can Jesus be the snake on the cross? Jesus said in John 3, he said to Nicodemus, you need to be born again. He says, how can that be? He says, as the snake was lifted up on the cross in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up and put on the cross. And every form of distance between you and God could die on that cross. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your good news. Now I want to end off with Matthew 25. <clears throat> Matthew 25. The original thought that God had about us was that we can be His offspring. That we can be the very fruit of God in this life. And every emotion and every feeling and every thought that you have can find its origin in who God is and what God says about you. You must remember when God spoke about us, and, and this is another, another thing, <clears throat> if you take the word logos, the word logos means it is a thought that is placed in words. Okay? Now listen to this. The Bible says, in the beginning was the logos, and the logos became flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the thought of God that He speaks. Now how did God speak? God didn't just speak with words, but He spoke by becoming a man. That's His word about you. The word of God about you is an eternal word that He spoke once forevermore. Okay? If Jesus is the word of God about your life, and He is seated at the right hand of the Father, forever into eternity, God is hollering the word about you which is Jesus. 
What is that word? Jesus obeyed on behalf of everybody. He died and He was risen again. And that is God's word about you. Amen. Hallelujah. So now, the, the, the Logos is the thought of God that became flesh. The thought that God spoke. So God had a thought. This was His thought. I will, I will kill what Satan brought in mankind. I will kill it on the cross. I'll kill it on the cross forevermore. And whosoever has been affected by the bite of Satan, by the bite of works righteousness, and can see that this snake is already dead on the cross, he shall be healed from the venom of the bite of Satan. And that's how God crushes the head of Satan. He crushed the thoughts of Satan. Hallelujah. Amen. So that spirit of Antichrist, that spirit of, 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 of I am not good enough, God crucified. That was his thought. That was his thought. And then the Logos was that thought spoken. And God spoke it in human form. And let me tell you something. There's nothing as innocent as you. There's nothing as precious before God as what you are. You might say, Matthew, you just preach it there that I can feel good about myself. Listen, I don't preach this so you can feel good about yourself. I preach this for this is God's truth about your life. This is the only word there is. Now, if we go to, um, to, to you can go, you know, it's still on there, go to, what, what is it, Matthew 25, verse 15. Matthew 25, verse 15. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew 25, verse 15. <clears throat> now, a friend of mine, Richard Gamble, <clears throat> um, from the U.S. also, he, he shared this on Facebook. It just blessed me so much, and I just uh, thought I wanted to share this as well. Verse 14 says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants, and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he, um, then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them another five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained two other. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants come, uh, come and reckoned with them. And so he that had received five talents, came and brought another five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, listen to this, thy good and faithful servant. So what servant was he? A good and faithful servant. Right? Thou hast been faithful over few things, I will make thee a ruler over many things. Enter thou into the, into, thy, into the joy of the Lord. He also that has received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered unto me two talents. Behold, I've gained two other talents beside them. And the Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Verse 24. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee, that you are a hard man. Reaping where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not um, 
straw. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, here is your talent. Here is a talent that ha- Sorry, lo, there thou hast thine is the talent. Is, is thine. Sorry, man. Verse 26. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knew that I reap where I sow not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put the money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I would have received mine own with usury or interest. Now, this has condemned so many people. Because, Lord, am I working my talent? Will I not be that? You know the word where it says faithful servant there? The word f- talent speaks of value, or, and, and I believe this speaks of Jesus. Jesus came and gave us the gospel. One five, other one two, other one one. That talks about your understanding and your revelation of God's love. One guy's got a very deep understanding. Other one guy's got a shallower understanding. Other guy's got a little understanding about how much God loves him. Okay? Even if you go to the Muslim faith, they will tell you that God is a God of love. Okay? Everybody somehow has got some understanding of love. Now, listen to what happens here. The guy who multiplied who saw the fruit where that which was given to him for free was bearing fruit in his life, was the faithful one. Now, the word faithful there is not just the word faithful the way we see faithful. It is literally the same word, faith. It means full of faith. So the guy who is faithful is the man who believes in what Jesus has done. Then he went on. So in other words, if you receive the gospel and you believe it, you're the fruitful servant. That's it. If you receive the message of grace and you believe it, you believe it in your heart, and that word has got an effect in your life. It brings joy. It brings righteousness. Hallelujah. I'm not justified by my works. I want to tell you, you, that seed has multiplied in your life. It had an effect. Now listen to the wicked servant. It says there in verse, which verse is the wicked servant? Just find it there quickly. 20? 26. Yes, go to 26. Wicked. Just click on the word wicked there. What does it mean? To be full of labor. To be full of labor. Okay. Who's the wicked servant? He that doesn't believe in what Jesus has given him, but he that wants to work hard. Full of labor. <laughs> Amen. Now you might say, but Barry, how does that work? When God talks about His kingdom and His gospel, He wants His gospel to bear fruit in you. The only way His gospel can bear fruit in you is by you believing it. The only way you can bear no fruit is by you trying to work for it. That makes you a wicked or an evil servant. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? So I want to declare over your life, as a believer in the gospel of grace, you're a faithful servant. Amen. The thought that God had was to nail that labor mentality to the cross. That's His thought. Why did He want to do that? So that He can be unified with you. So that who He is can have its fruit in you. There's no other way. I wrote there on my notes to tell you guys, there is but no other way to have God's fruit 
and God's original thought about your life when He made mankind to be the God kind and to have the, nat to, to have the, the being of God naturally flowing out of you, there's no other way but simply believing and eating the manna. There is no other way. No other way in business, no other way in marriage, no other way in any relationship, no other way in anywhere in life. This is God's way and God's thought about your life. Hallelujah. So the vision that I have in this year to come and for the rest of my life is to hear God's thought. And where my thought is not in line with God's thought, not to try and convince God about my thought, but to repent of my wrong thought and to think what God thinks. Amen. Hallelujah. So when condemnation comes, now the, that's the same word there, the word wicked there, the Bible says, put on the armor of God, so that we might be able to stand in the evil day. That's the same word wicked there. When the day comes, when we are tempted with labors, to get a breakthrough from heaven, when that day comes, that we can withstand in the wicked labor day. Amen. So when, when it comes about, when all about God's thoughts is to end wickedness in our life, which is works righteousness. Amen. Which brings forth so many sins, disqualification, depression, negative emotions, and all those things. God's made us new in Christ. Amen.